G'day teabaggers, it's Will here. Quick introduction for this Matt Kirshen episode. Uh, glad to have Matt back on the podcast. We've got a huge week of old guests and new guests. Um, I've still got a Gareth, uh, Gareth Reynolds episode up my sleeve that I am going to release in the next couple of days. There's a Jen Kirkman uh, that I have up my sleeve, plus a bunch of new guests as well. Uh, Randy Litke. I'm not sure not sure if I'm saying his last name right uh, at the moment, but he's mentioned in this Matt Kirshen episode and I'm recording with him today. So I might even put that one up uh, afterwards, seeing he gets a mention in this podcast. And then, uh, yeah, I've, look, I've got a bunch of new guests and uh, fantastic people to come through the podcast in the next couple of weeks. David Huntsberger's coming back uh, to plug a Kickstarter he's doing and uh, Eddie Peppertone's got a new special on uh, Netflix and he's going to come through. So, look, it's really exciting. There's lots of really cool people coming up on the podcast, so I hope you're going to enjoy them. Uh, I've been uh, having a bit of time off to, to work on my new show for next year. Have a think about what that is because basically uh, as soon as I start going out on the road again, uh, I pretty much am touring until the end of May. So anyway, here's some dates. If I'm coming your way, uh, you might want to uh, come and see me. Uh, I'm doing set list on the 12th in September, 12th September at UCB. I love the set list show at UCB. And uh, for TOEFOP fans and FOFOP fans, it's going to be a huge one. Lindsay Webb, who's been a previous guest, Charlie is on that show. Daniel Sloss, who's been a previous guest, Charlie is on that show. Uh, Matt Kirshen, I believe, is also on that show. So it's going to be absolutely massive. Come and see that one. Uh, set list at UCB. It's only, I think, 10 bucks. It might even be 8 bucks if you book early. But anyway, that'll be huge on the 12th, uh, Friday the 12th. Then I'm off to Seattle. I'm playing uh, Parlor Live in Seattle, not in Bellevue, in Seattle. I was originally going to be back at the Bellevue Club, but I'm actually at their Seattle Club this time. So from the 18th to the 20th of uh, September, I will be in Seattle at Parlor Live. Then on, of course, on the 27th of September, the huge Tofop Fofop crossover, Cool Things for Cool People at the LA Podcast Festival. Uh, we will have a link soon that you can watch that show in Australia. You'll be able to watch the live podcast. You can either buy a weekend pass and watch all the podcasts uh, at the festival or the ones that are streaming, uh, or you can just buy a pass for uh, the Tofop Fofop show. Uh, if you've wanted to support the show and you're looking for a way to do it, maybe you can't afford a t-shirt, uh, the, the the show pass will be something like you know I, I don't know they haven't sent me the details yet but I believe it's around five or seven dollars something like that and the weekend might only be like thirty five bucks if you want to see everything so uh, we get a kickback uh, from both of those so if you like would like to support the podcast and you've been looking for a way to do it and you want to like watch the live stream of the live one you will be able to do that so that's very exciting but of course if you're coming along to the LA Podcast Festival run at seven o'clock. Uh, if you want to see it live on the Saturday night, up against Marin, but you know, hey, come on. What, somebody's got to, got to go up against the headliners at the big day out as well, so we're the side stage. Uh, come and see our show. It's going to be fantastic. All right. After that, uh, for Californian fans, I'll be at a place called Rooster Teeth Feathers, which you might have heard uh, mentioned on the podcast before. I am there uh, from October the 2nd through to the 5th, uh, that is near San Jose, I believe, but I guess if you're in the uh, in that part of the world, uh, you'll know where Rooster Tea Feathers is, um, I'm sure you've heard of it. Uh, on the 6th of October, I'll be at Hot Tub at the Virgil, which is one of my favourite LA gigs. Uh, on the 15th of October through to the 19th, I will be at Hilarities at Cleveland, back at Hilarities in Cleveland, which is a great club and I had a great time there last time, so uh, come and check me out at Hilarities if you're in Cleveland. Uh, plenty of new material. Um, so, 
Um, I might do a couple of things I did last time, but uh, I've got heaps of new stuff as well. So um, definitely come on out if you saw it last time or if you've not seen me before. Then uh, the week after that, I am at uh, Zany's in Illinois from the 23rd through to the 26th of October. I know this is a lot of dates, but... um, I'm, I'm not going to do this all the time. I'm just going to run through them all now so that people can uh, see where I'm at and what I'm doing. Uh, on the 5th of November, I'll be doing the Meltdown show at Nerd Melt at UCB. That is an amazing show. And uh, they, of course, have their new series on uh, Comedy Central in the US. Make sure you're checking out the Meltdown show. On the 10th of November, I'll be back at Hot Tub at the Virgil. Uh, on the 13th of November through to the 15th of November, I will be at Hyenas in Dallas. Haven't been to Dallas before, so if you're in Dallas or if you're in that part of the world, you're near Dallas, come and see me at Hyenas in uh, Dallas. Then uh, I'm flying back to uh, Australia because on the 19th of November, Justin Hamilton and I will be at the Darwin Entertainment Centre. Uh, I will be doing my Illuminati show in Darwin. Glad to be back in Darwin. Had to miss it off the tour last year and I always love the Darwin shows. So uh, coming out and see Justin and I on the 19th of November, getting quick for that one. Um, we might only have time on a, on a Wednesday night to do one show. We did two last time. So uh, getting quick if you want to come and see the show in Darwin. Then uh, Perth on the 21st and 22nd, we'll be doing Illuminati. Those uh, tickets, that's more than half sold out already, those Perth shows. So uh, there might be a possibility that we can add more shows. But uh, getting quick if you want to come and see Illuminati in Perth, that's Justin and I as well. And then on uh, November the 23rd, I will be in Kalgoorlie, uh, doing the show in Kalgoorlie. So if you're in Kalgoorlie or know someone who is in Kalgoorlie, uh, send them along on the 23rd. After that, uh, I am doing something in Sydney that I can't quite announce yet. Uh, But, you know, for Tofot fans and Fofot fans, I think it's something that you will like to come and see. Um, Oh, this is what I should mention. There's probably going to be something in Melbourne in the end of November for anyone who missed Illuminati. And uh, then I'm flying back to LA. I know, this is confusing. I'm looking at the things in front of me right now. Uh, Here we go. Uh, I am at uh, Helium in Philadelphia uh, from the 3rd of December through to the 6th of December. I'll be at Helium in Philadelphia. Haven't been there before. Played the Helium Club in Buffalo earlier in the year and had an absolutely great time. So looking forward to coming to Philly. So if there's anyone in Philly who who wants to um, come out and see the show, I'm really looking forward to that. Then uh, the week after that, I'll be back in Denver. I'll be at the Comedy Works downtown. That's my third uh, visit to Comedy Works in Denver. They've been the most supportive club of me, I think, so far of anywhere in America. So uh, it'll be great to be going back to Denver. So if you see me in Denver, if you live in Denver, if you're nearby Denver, I'll be at Comedy Works in Denver uh, from the 10th through to the 13th. Uh, They have legal weed now. So that should be a great fun week. Uh, Then I'm going to fly back to Sydney for that thing that I'm doing at the end of December. Improv shows at the comedy store. Anyway, they're not on sale yet. Don't tell anybody. And then after that, uh, January 19 is the big one that I want Sydney people to know about. I'm going to be doing something huge, something special uh, in January, on January the 19th, something that I've wanted to do for a very long time uh, in a space that I've never done a whole show in before and it will be a, a big sort of pinnacle of my career. So I would love... Uh, you, you guys to come out and support that if you're in Sydney and you want to um, particularly if you haven't seen my Illuminati show anyway look I'm giving away too much I'm not meant to be saying all this stuff yet I'm, 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 there's going to be heaps of other stuff 
Uh, there'll be local gigs around LA in between and all that sort of stuff. But that's way too much stuff at the start of the podcast. I'm sorry. It's taken me nearly eight minutes to do my plugs. So I definitely won't do this all the time. I'll leave the details at willanderson.com.au. But if you're in any of those places or know people who are in any of those places and you want to come and see shows, there they are. All right, guys. Um, there's going to be a new T-shirt uh, two weeks before the LA Podcast Festival. Cool things for cool people. Uh, you might have seen the design already on the Facebook page. It's Dave and Charlie and myself riding unicorns. Uh, it's it's probably it's one of my favorite James Fosdyke things that he's done for us. So that's going to be cool too. All right. Anyway, stop talking, Will. Uh, get to the podcast with Matt Kirshen because people are really going to enjoy this one. Matt's always one of my favorite guests. He's always hilarious. Check out his podcast, Probably Science. If you like him on the podcast, as I say to you always, hit him up afterwards. Tell him how much you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, tell any of the guests that you enjoyed uh, that they uh, that you know you heard them on the podcast. Uh, let them know where you are. You know, in the country. Uh, if you're in Australia or if you're listening somewhere else, let them know because it's always good for the acts to know where they've got fans and where people like them and they can uh, decide to go and tour in those places. Uh, speaking of which, I had uh, the Sklar brothers on and uh, hit them up. Uh, I'm also on their podcast, Sklarborough Country, so you can check that out. All right, I'm rambling now. I'm sorry. Um, some people probably just skip through all this bit. Uh, fair enough. All right, guys, uh, enjoy the podcast. And yeah, there'll be a bunch of new ones this week. So uh, I hope you enjoy listening to them as much as I enjoyed recording them. Okay, and I stop talking now. The following episode of FOFOP is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. FOFOP advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Topo. <laughs> Ironically, I'm not relaxed. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Fofop, I'm Will Anderson and guest Charlie Clawson, returning guest Charlie Clawson. Uh, Matt Kirshen is here. Hello, Matt, how are you? I'm very good, how are you It's always doing? great to have you on the podcast. I love being on, like um, last time we were on... I've got to thank mm. slash admonish your listeners because uh-huh. last time we got into a bit of a silly joke for a couple of minutes. Right. About Spock. It was about Spock. Yeah. <laughs> it's a series of Spock puns. Yeah. Spock bands and, for and the then next, Spock films. For the next, I'm going to say week, uh-huh. pretty much my entire Twitter app mentions were yeah. increasingly elaborate Spock jokes. Would you say pictures. it was, was, would you say it was Spocktacular? <laughs> would you say that? I would not say that because oh. I don't want to start it again. Okay. <laughs> 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 no, that was fun. I like. There was some. You have some inventive fans, inventive uh, listeners. Man, they're the best. Like sometimes, because I don't always. If I record the episode and there's something in it that I can remember, so I can do the description, then I will not. Um, I won't uh, go back and listen to the episode. Yeah. So there will be things that I forget that we have talked about, and then I'll just start seeing the movie parody posters or something <laughs> appear. It's like a reminder to me. <laughs> It's essentially like my memento. This <laughs> right. podcast is like memento. It's tattooed across your social media. Right. Whatever you guys <laughs> make out of this is what I remember. <laughs> you are my tattoos. Yeah. I, I um. Did you uh, enjoy that film, Memento? Were you a fan of the I did. You know, I've only seen it once. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think that's how you're meant to see it. 
like, I don't know. I saw it once when I was a when I was a student. I remember liking it. Right. Do, did you fear that if you watched it again, you would like watch for the tricks? Is that the sort of thing? There's no, this movie I just think co- I never got around to watching it again. I definitely right. liked it. You should write a reminder on your hand. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> really effective. When you wake up in the morning, watch Memento. Oh my god, this did get inside my brain. Oh, that would be a great. Just if someone's have just their only tattoo is that. Right. Oh yeah, watch Memento. <laughs> that's their one. Like, that's the the only tattoo they have. That's a really great joke tattoo for anyone who enjoys movies from 15 years ago. (laughs) I'm going to live with this joke forever. Right. Uh, It would just be great, like, in case I ever do meet Christopher Nolan, because as everyone who's listening to this podcast knows, Christopher Nolan is a hero of mine. Like, the best mainstream movie maker of our time. I think our generation Spielberg. I like like a lot of his films. I'll tell you the one I didn't, I couldn't get into, and that was The Prestige. Ah, Matt, you've come to the wrong place. I think we might have talked about this before. I just, I don't... I mean, the movie is in the form of the thing that it's about. Like, can't you... Why can't you enjoy that? (laughs) The actual movie itself is the thing that it's talking about. I think... The movie is the trick and the trick is the movie. I think what part of what might have ruined it... (laughs) Was I, I feel it. like also if I say this loud enough, it will convince <laughs> people. It's the way of the internet. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm podcasting in all caps right now. <laughs> I, wa- I watched it with Rob Deering in, on a rainy afternoon in the flat that the Hyena Comedy Club puts you up in in Newcastle. Oh. So, so it was a glamorous day and Rob guessed the ending about halfway through. Right. He guessed the ending. Like he get, like he guessed it, uh, and it was like he guessed it pretty early on. Right, and then he revealed it about halfway through. Yeah. See, I don't know about I know. that. I'm I'm a person who wants to like just go along for the ride. Like, yeah. for example, my brain's almost the opposite of that. Where like it will work it out, and then the rest of my brain is like, "Don't fucking spoil it, <laughs> spoilers." That's one. But the rest of my brain. So you manage to partition your brain into like a spoiler alert section and a not spoiler alert. Right. Section. There's a part of my brain that's terrible. You know, there's a part of my brain that when uh, it saw the movie Now You See It, I don't know if you know what that movie I is. Don't. It's a um, it's a like a ma- another magic movie. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> You might see a theme here. I love a magic movie and I love a long con movie. Okay. And Dave Anthony abhors the long con. Like any movie that has a long con in it, he just is not into it all. Whereas I'm like, if you've really? got a long con and the long con involves magic, well, every time that movie is replayed on HBO, I'm going to sit there and watch that movie again. Like I've watched Now You See It, which is like this run-of-the-mill sort of crime, like, magic thriller that came out, like, last year, two years ago. Okay. And uh, it stars um, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook guy. What's his name? Jesse Eisenberg? Yeah. Eisenberg? (laughs) Is that the... Jesse Heisenberg. Yeah. The guy from Breaking Bad. (laughs) (laughs) The son of Jesse and Heisenberg from Breaking Bad. We are starting to sound a little bit like grandparents. (laughs) (laughs) The one, the one from the thing, the Jesse with the with the hat. Jesse, who's it? What's it? <laughs> you know, the one who looks like Michael Sierra. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, you know the one I mean, Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, yeah. I think his name is. He's in it. Uh, Isla Fisher, Sasha Baron Cohen's wife, Isla Fisher, mm-hmm. also a fine actress in her own right. I shouldn't like you know, define her by she's an Aussie. Do you, do you know I have her a story in the way that about you know her that I cannot people? tell you really? on air. Excellent. Oh, yes, I do know her. And this story is for another time. Because we worked out a while ago that you're Australia small enough that you know all famous Australians. All of them. Like, all of them. Yeah. Well, enough of them that if ever you walk into a shop and someone says, do you, 
the, I, I've, I've told this before, but the big one for me was I was in Italy. Amy and I were having a romantic holiday through Italy. And everywhere we went in Italy, there was this uh, Australian model who had become massive in Italy. You know, like, okay. And her name's Megan Gale, mm-hmm. right? And uh, she was like the biggest thing in Italy at the time. So everywhere you went, everybody just wanted to talk about Megan Gale. Right. And so these guys <coughs> come up to us and we've had this like big night the night before and we've been on this train trip and we're having like a midday beer just trying to recover. Yeah. Like, and this guy comes over and he's like, oh my God, you're Australian. Do you know Megan Gale? And like I fucking, like I wanted, I, like I snapped. I was just like, you know what? There's 24 million people in Australia. <laughs> we don't all know each other. That said, I do know <laughs> Megan Gale. <laughs> I mean, you've you've come to the right person. I do know her, but that, that's not the that's not the point I'm trying to make. But in theory, right. I don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in practice, I do, but in theory, right. In the same way as climate change, global warming can be happening even if it's cold where you are right now. <laughs> that doesn't mean that it's. But all Australians do know each other. Yeah, we do. Well, yeah, we do kind of know each other. It's a very approachable country as well. That's the yeah. thing that I would say about Australia is there is no div- there's no sort of. Like, no one thinks celebrities are special in Australia. Australia is the kind of place where you kind of go out of your way to make it clear to celebrities that they're not special. Out of, oh my God, (laughs) out of their way. Yeah. (laughs) Just read my Twitter feed. (laughs) No. Oh, you think you're so great the way you're eating breakfast. Right. (laughs) Yeah, some of us can't fucking afford breakfast, mate. (laughs) It's not fucking breakfast time in Australia. Fucking sell out, moving to another country and having breakfast at a time that is not appropriate for us. It's the middle of the night. You have breakfast in the middle of the night. You have Vegemite on Australian time or you you are not part of this country. You have forgotten your roots. Right. (laughs) You get up, you have some Vegemite at 1am, around fucking 6am you have a meat pie and then for dinner you have a meat pie with some fucking Vegemite on it and you fucking remember your roots. Australia. <laughs> no, but I like that about Australia. I've always been a person. I, I've again, I've told this story before, but I, um, uh, I, I remember catching the the uh, plane sitting next to our former prime minister John Howard on the plane, and uh, I know I can't believe he was in an economy either. <laughs> Wink. I, uh, no, but like he walked through the airport afterwards. Like, you know, and he was a guy who was divisive. Like, you know, half yep. the country didn't, you know, kind of approve of his stuff. And he afterwards just got off the plane, got his little wheelie suitcase and walked through the airport by himself. And I thought, I really still fucking love that about Australia. Yeah. Like, that's one of the things that I find and I hope that we never lose. Here's something um, I was really surprised by. I picked up my friend Blythe from the airport earlier on the week. And she was on a Southwest flight. Uh, that connected in... That's an airline. That's an airline. You're not giving unnecessary directions. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone's playing along at home and you've got a map and she was flying southwest... (laughs) It was a temperate climate? Yeah. A train left the station at the same time. It was travelling at 120 kilometres an hour. It climbed to 10,000 feet at first, then banked to the left. (laughs) (laughs) On Virgin, and I want to get back to this, but on Virgin, I flew Virgin uh, to, to Scotland and... On Virgin, they tell you how many people are on board in the safety announcement. Like, you know, after they've done everything else, they go, uh, there are 333 passengers on board, uh, two toddlers, and 
So they told the passengers, toddlers, and crew, and how many crew there was. So there was like there's 333 passengers. Is that a kind of so you're in the you're, you're in safe hands if there's a fire? <laughs> so they were just or like so remember that number so that if we crash, that's how many heads you have to count. Right, there'll be a quiz at the end. <laughs> like it was such a weird thing because it, it had the opposite effect to me. Like it felt like there wasn't enough staff. <laughs> right. Like when they did the numbers, they were like, you know, we got 333 people, two toddlers, and I was like, that seems. Yeah. Weird. Three crew members. So if shit goes yeah. down, we have We're in not trouble. a hope. In fact, look for a toddler. <laughs> You're much more likely. Hide behind a toddler. They might have the thing over their face. Okay, um, so your friend is flying Southwest. So Southwest and Southwest is a kind of budget airline. Uh-huh. And sat in the middle seat, and it's in economy. There is no first and uh-huh. economy class. So in the middle seat, uh, next to her was Governor Jerry Brown, like the governor of California. Right. Just sitting there. Just no minders. I, I don't know. I don't think so. And uh, but maybe a minder on the other side. But a middle seat on a Southwest flight. Right. Like that's the equivalent of um, EasyJet in the UK, and I guess Jetstar probably in Australia. Yeah. Or no, no even Tiger. Tiger's the one that's below Jetstar. Okay. So yeah, it's like proper cheap. And he's that's good. I like that. Yeah, I heard that as well. I was like, oh, good for him. Yeah. And how did she know? Or she just recognised that that's who someone it was? else recognised him okay. apparently. So, either she was sat next to Governor Jerry Brown, or someone else on the flight is an idiot. Right. And the person she was sat next to was too polite to set them straight. Right. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's possible. That is also possible. Right. It might have just been a dude who looks like Governor Jerry Brown. He's <laughs> like the most useless lookalike. Right. Or maybe, you know what he is? Like, Saddam Hussein had a lot of uh, body doubles. Oh, yeah. You know, that was the thing after he was uh, killed, was that, like, all, the, all, suddenly all these body doubles were so, out of work. So maybe... Well, like, it's the same as when Diana died. Right. All the lookalikes. Well, no, they got more work. Because <laughs> Diana first. and, like, Elvis and people like that, they're, like, I mean, they're, you know, you get more work when they die. Yeah, but yeah. somebody like Saddam Hussein, there's not a big... Like Saddam Hussein tribute circus. There's, the, there's the Chinese Diana. Right. <laughs> I, I was in a I was in a lift in Las right. Vegas once, and a Neil Diamond impersonator got oh, yeah. into the same. Yep. And by the way, I was having a miserable week. Yeah. I was doing a week of shows in Vegas. Yep. At the Riviera, and I was having like it just wasn't nice. Right. Was it shows a hot, Was nice. it a hot August night? The people. Because that would have been great. <laughs> That's the only Neil Diamond. <laughs> No, or you could have said, he goes, oh, are you going to the third floor? And you go, I am, I said. <laughs> okay, they're my two, Neil Diamond. Um, <laughs> you were there with your girl, girlfriend, Caroline. You were like, sweet, what? Caroline. That's it. That's all I have. All right, now that's enough to set off a Twitter storm. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all it takes. Uh, so, and I was having a miserable, I was, I was feeling, I was in a shitty spirit. The, yeah. they, it's kind of place, they, they didn't treat the act By very the way, well. you know what a Neil Diamond uh, tribute act should be called? Neil Diamonte. <laughs> That's a great joke. <laughs> That's a really good joke. I don't want to stop and congratulate myself, but I'm proud of that joke. <laughs> there you go. There you go, internet. Neil Diamante. Go on. I like it. So you're uh, in an elevator. So, so, I'm, so I'm in the elevator, and the Neil Diamond impersonator gets in. Neil Diamante, for yep. the sake of this story. <laughs> and, uh, and it's just the two of us in there. We're, we're traveling about 20 floors together. Uh-huh. And he catches me looking at him, because uh, you can't not really. Right. I, I wasn't even pretending not to look at him. I was like... I was like the, the way, you know, the way a kid looks at someone, right. <laughs> it's just like, uh, uh, and he looks back at me and he just goes, just keeps getting better and better, kid. <laughs> it's just like, oh, 
Oh my god! It just did. That actually is better than what meeting Neil Diamond would have been like. I know. It was like a self fulfilling prophecy from the fake Neil Diamond. That's actually a really good thing to be a groupie of. Imagine if you became like the number one tribute act groupie. Oh. I'm sure there probably is that person, but like you could be the num- number one tribute fan. Because you're doing these like weird tribute, like, you know, you're treating them like they're the real person. Do you reckon you'd have to dress up as one of the real groupies of that era? You know, like sort of the, oh, fam- yeah, yeah. the famous groupies, the right. ones who were like, who's the one who wrote the book and the one that Almost Famous was kind of based on? Right, that's what I was going to say. That yeah. literally the sentence that you just said. I was <laughs> like, like that one who wrote the book and Almost Famous was based on. That was literally what I was going to use as a clue. So we both know who we're talking about. Right. Penny Lang. Yeah. Maybe? That was one, or maybe that was just the character in the film. Okay, anyway, not sure. Either way, yeah, dresses. There is, um, in the UK, or at least there was, a friend of mine got booked to do comedy, the comedy stage, at a music festival in the UK that was just tribute bands. Oh, yeah. Right, see, I think that's a, I, I, I think that's a good idea. I think it's a great idea. Like, if you're the kind of... Because if you're a small festival, if you're not like a Glastonbury or Coachella or whatever, right? if you're a small festival and you have a limited budget... You're faced with a choice of do you get like a mixture of up and coming bands and faded used to be famouses. Right. Or, or do you go balls out and get like ACDC, U2, REM, The Beatles. Right. A bigger lineup than Coachella. <laughs> Blondie. Run it down the road. Just, yeah. just Coachella-ish. Yeah. You know, you just like run a satellite <laughs> thing We just tribute <laughs> bands that have all the acts on the festival Plus like Elvis and like the Beatles <laughs> That's great like, what, what kind of, uh, you right. can recreate like Woodstock and the Isle of Wight Festival And right. like 96 Glastonbury at the same time Oh yeah, in fact you could have, that's what? how you do it Like Hendrix and Radiohead together at last Your various stages are various festivals Perfect. So you have this big tribute <laughs> festival So you can go to Woodstock Or you can go to like, you know, the first ever big day out Or you can go to like Lollapalooza <laughs> when Nirvana played And like, you know, Smashing Pumpkins and Soundgarden And all those guys played That's, that's a good festival Yeah, and you can maybe, you know Recreate some angry Hell's Angels kicking off at the crowd. Oh, you know, brown, the 60s. I mean, yeah, some brown acid moments. Like, there's going to be, yeah. I mean, you can have all the. That's a good idea. I like that. How That's many, good. How many of your listeners? I know. I know your listeners are pretty good on getting on, onto Photoshop and doing. Yeah. They're proactive in a bedroom setting. Right. <laughs> how how good are they at like starting a major music festival? <laughs> I mean, probably it's down the list of things that they can do. It's <laughs> a so step further. Right. If they were putting together a CV, they would, it'd be more like, can we like put the Tofop logo on Batman's uniform? <laughs> yes, we can do that. <laughs> can we start a major music festival in an environment where big music festivals are uh, dying around the world? I mean, I don't know. I don't want to limit people out there. Well, we can definitely make a really good poster for it. Right. <laughs> like, we can definitely... St- I'm always surprised when who I run into who listens to the podcast these days. Like this little book that I have in front of me on the desk here is um, called Now and Then, the Cabinet Card Paintings of Alex. I would say Gross. It's G-R-O-S-S. I say that. Gross? Gross? I don't Does gross here mean like is it like you know in Australia, if you would say something's gross, that would mean it tasted bad or you're like, oh gross. Is that like a UK term? Is that an American yeah. term or is that yeah, a that's specifically a UK term. Yeah, okay. Right. Unless you're you have some more archaic language, in which case it would just mean large or unwieldy. Right. Like or big, yeah. Like gross. Opposite, or the opposite of net. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, Alex, the opposite of Net. Anyway, he's a he's an artist who I ran into at the supermarket the other day, an American guy, and um, he listens to the podcast. And it was just like we I was standing in line at the supermarket, and this dude started talking to me. And I was like, why is this dude talking to me? Because the first, like, when anyone ever knows who I am, I'm like, oh, God, it's one of my agents in disguise or something. <laughs> right. like one of those people I like, met. If my... they have an Australian accent, you're pretty, okay, you're oh, like, yeah, okay, yeah. I know. But I if know it's an American dude yeah. and I'm in the supermarket and he's like, oh, yeah, I listen to your podcast. And I was like, how? How? Yeah, <laughs> why? <laughs> What's going on? What's going on with this? But I enjoyed that. So, hello, Alex, if you're listening, I have your, your book right here on the table. Um, well, we're talking about your listeners as well. Quick shout out to Simon Mundy, oh, yeah? who's one of your listeners, mm-hmm. who follows me on Twitter, I think, I presume as a result. And I tweeted something yesterday, which any of your listeners, by the way, if you've got an iPhone 5 and it's got a bad battery, check online because some of the serial numbers have been recalled. Oh. I just got, my phone was like shutting off at 43%. Yeah. And I just took it into the Apple store yesterday and now I have a battery that lasts... A normal amount. Right. So I tweeted that Which out. Which is still not much for an iPhone 5, to be honest. Still not that much. No. But I tweeted it out, and Simon's like, and Simon found out his is eligible, and went uh, $10 to a charity of your choice. Oh, So my I God. picked something cancer research, and he, he said, done. So... Nice work there, Simon. Nice work, Simon. Happen. And imagine if it, that's the $10 that leads to the cure. Yeah. Like, imagine <laughs> if they were just like, they were sitting around and going, we are so close. And they're just ed- like, they've turned down their pockets. Yeah, they've gone down the back of the couch. They're like, literally, they're like, all we need is $10 more and we can nail this thing. <laughs> they're at the mo- microscope supply store with like buttons <laughs> <laughs> and IOUs. <laughs> um. That's that's a really interesting thing because I've got to get a phone. Um, uh, I've got to get a like an iPhone. Yeah, you're still doing, yeah, like, the, the flip phones and the yeah, the, the old burner. Your phone. burners. It's terrible. It's terrible. Burners, by the way, that was not a phrase at all before the wire, right? No, no, no. no. That's the yeah. And now that's just common parlance for there are people who've never seen the wire who know of right. Just they're called burners. Shitty phones a burner. By the way, mine's worse than a burner. Like, if you were going to get a burner, you wouldn't get mine that is so confusing to use because it flips out. And I think that makes it harder to use, not easier to use. It's terrible. And, like, I, I, I can't program, I can't send texts, and then suddenly I'll turn off the predictive text and I can't get it back <laughs> on. It, like, it's so then, then I'm just shouting at people randomly. So, all the advantages of having a really basic phone. Uh, non-existent oh my language has gone back to like caveman language right like somebody will send me like this like essay <laughs> and i'll be like no busy <laughs> <laughs> will hungry question mark <laughs> you asking a girl out on a date <laughs> so yeah i um so i've got to get one but i'm waiting for the new iphone to come out because it's about to september 9th i believe september is the... 9th is the launch and then like normally it's a couple of weeks after that yeah. that the phones come out so i just figured that i'll just wait until then and then i'll get that there you go yeah so I'm already locked in, Apple. I've made my consumer choice. Can you just send me a phone now so I don't have to wait around for another month with my shitty... Like, I'll, I'll, yeah, you you're know? going to have my money. Yeah, it's coming. I've said it right here. That's what I'm doing. You could I've do. not even explored other options. I've read all the articles that say that the Samsung phone is already as good as what the iPhone's going to be. And that you know what? Yep. I've made my choices. Spoken to friends who love the, the Samsung. Get a friend it. of mine got one as a replacement, um, a temporary replacement while her iPhone was being fixed. And then was like, ah, I don't want to give this one back. Right. Just kept it. Yeah. No, people, people love them. Yeah. I've made a decision that like, I just want Apple to be as good as that. I don't need them to be better. Just have it do all the things that the other one does. And because and, I know how to use an Apple. Yeah. And I'm very lazy. And, and it's like, linked into all my it. things. 
Yeah. I've got a fucking iPad. I've got a fucking computer that's an Apple. Yeah. And I want my phone to be an Apple. I don't need to think about it any more than that. That said, um, I'm thinking about doing... I'm fucking crazy, Matt. I shouldn't be thinking about this. But I'm thinking about... Do you know what edX is? No, I don't. So edX is an online university. But okay. it's the free one. It's the one that was put together by these people that I first saw them on the on the Daily Show of all things. The guy who started it was on the Daily Show being interviewed. All right. And so it's a free online like uh, university class. It's basically like any of those ones that you get from like University of like Phoenix or whatever. But you don't have to pay for it. It's not, right. and you don't get at the end of it like some qualification that you can put on your wall. What you get at the end of it is you can do the thing that you know. That's pretty cool. Right. So, so what are you thinking about learning? I'm tossing up. Like, basically, there's a philosophy course, and that's probably the one that I would do because I've wanted to go back and kind of study philosophy anyway. And, and that now the would reason be the I'm... most interesting, and that that would feed back into what you do, right? It would be definitely it'd be interesting having just studying some of the world's greatest thinkers and seeing how that informs your reasoning and your thought. And right, so, so you on. know when you ever have those uh, uh, thoughts in your mind about like if comedy doesn't work out, like if there is a point where I have to say this this isn't working out anymore. Yeah. Like, what would I do? Like, what would my job be? What qualifications do I have? Yeah. Nick None. Du- <laughs> <laughs> Nick Duty, my very good friend Nick, yeah. uh, had a line, I think, at some point about just realizing suddenly, oh, I probably can no longer fall back on being a teacher. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is <laughs> always just like, his, his, his plan B was like, oh, I could teach French. But now it's like, oh, it's... 20 years since I left university. Right. No, no, no. no, no that's I'm, valid. I mean, I was a journalist 20 years ago. Right. For like six months. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and journalism doesn't exist anymore. So, like, that just burnt down while I was away. So, the yeah, one thing I actually am qualified in it is like an industry that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, They're like, the- how good are you at making funny lists? <laughs> yeah, all the skills that. Like, none of those old skills, like, no one's going to send you to cover things. No. have the budget. They'd be like, no, you take this thing from the wire service and marginally rewrite it and then create stories. Right. I'll be like, create you know, I can, I, can probably, I can probably still do a little bit of shorthand. They're like, oh, well, we don't need that anymore. But uh, yeah. how are you at drawing cocks on celebrities' faces? Yeah. Because <laughs> that is basically what we're doing now. And also... Um, how happy is your landlord with being paid in exposure? Oh, exposure. that's all we're going to give you. Oh, yeah, but heaps of it. We're going to give you loads of exposure. We'll give you enough exposure that you have some exposure that you can give to your landlord <laughs> yeah, for rent. Like... Um, it's, yeah, so I, the only thing that I ever thought or the only thing that I've had, ever had really any desire for is I clearly have desires for useless industries. Yeah. Because my first one was that I was, like in the old days before books disappeared, was I was going to buy a bookshop. Okay. I always had this like idea that I could just have my own bookshop and I could just read and write and like you know be interested in books and have cool books and so, so it's a lovely idea, right? But then, but then also probably in reality horrible. It's like the, running a bookshop is probably one of those things that's like like running a bakery oh. where the the image of it is just delightful. Like, why it's just happy villagers coming in and greeting me with a cheery hello and well then maybe I, like fifteen years ago there was even a chance that could happen. Yeah, but whereas now, instead it's just me crying into ledgers of it's, it's me, negative numbers it's me jumping out of the boat uh that the captain of the costa concordia jumped into yeah. like when he's jumping off the costa concordia i'm <laughs> jumping on and going this will be quaint this yeah. is a great way to everyone stay calm and how do you feel about this rare copy of dickens right <laughs> 
Um, philosophy is the other one. I've always been really no, fascinated. Philosophy is the one you told me about. Okay, so no, but this is what I was going to say. This is okay. the, uh, what I'm oh, getting okay. to. Is the only other thing that I ever really have had an interest in was I would like to go back to university and study philosophy properly. You know, right. do a really... But chances are in the short term, that's not something that I'm going to have the opportunity to do. But you could do it maybe as a part-time course. Doing like an online thing in my own time, like it kind of feels like something that might be interesting to me. But there's also one. This was what I was going to tell you. And this is why I'm like particularly crazy. There's also one in computer coding, like basic computer coding. And in my brain, I'm like, in this day and age... Like, I don't know anything about how computers work. It'd be really kind of cool to, like, know a little bit of basic coding. It's like a different language it is, for it, what our future is, right? It is a different language, and it's... Basic coding is actually remarkably... Like, I, I had to do a bit of programming at university. Uh, had to program in C. Uh, in a C? C, just oh, the letter right. C is a... Uh, I was going to say, like, it's C? Like, yeah, for, at C. for emergency? <laughs> for when the oceans rise, you're going to need to how to do this in deep water. I had a very, like, crypto factor type <laughs> <laughs> university degree. It was a lot of, like, there was book learning, uh, there was coursework, there was uh, obstacles right. that we had to clamber over. <laughs> we had to... That would be great, though. Had to save the princess from the tower. <laughs> I, that would be the way to get people more interested in education again, though, wouldn't it? Like, make it like <laughs> like your year of your course. There's a, Like, you have to kind of complete this essay to move on to the next stage yeah. of the adventure. But it was, if it was like old-style education, like, what it needs, what you need to be a gentleman? Well, right. you have to be able to wield a sword, and you should recite the following poems, speak Latin... And I mean, that's more practical. And know how to box. Because I did like journalism. They could have taught you things that you will actually need to know. Like, here's how to like hide in a bush. Right. Like, you know, here's something that you should say to somebody when you're knocking on their door to tell them that their kid's just been killed in an accident. Yeah. And you're going to try to steal one of their photos. Here's how to justify publishing private pictures of them naked as because it's in the public interest. Right. And it's a scandal. Yeah. It's a scandal that they did that. Oh, sorry. It's a scandal. I mean, it's a scandal that the that's what that was the headlines everywhere. It's like nude photo scandal, yep. as if like the celebrities had released the nude photos instead of uh, criminal steals private property and publishes it on the yeah. internet. Um, there was a beautiful um, George Mombayo or Mombia. I don't know how he pronounces his name, but he's a wonderful writer. I know yep. he, he writes I a know. lot of stuff yep. about uh, environmentalism and corporate greed and so on. But he tweeted a couple of years ago, and I think this is the perfect description. He tweeted it about the Daily Mail, but I think it applies to a large amount of the media. It's a perfect description of a, the Daily Mail's like the kind of the kind of old man who stares at a woman breastfeeding and then complains about it to the management. Oh yeah, yeah, right. It's yeah. It's exactly like that. It, it's full of like pure prurient like, gawping, and then oh, look at this disgusting thing. We're going to print it so you can all be as disgusted about it as we are and also so we can sell pictures on the back of this person's... Um, I was going to say misfortune, but that's an underset. Like, the, the crime that has been committed. I mean, it's, been, it's been happening a lot in comedy to, you know, like, to, like, it's not as serious as that, but it does, where they'll take one joke, like, you know, a, a joke that a comedian has done that... Yeah. A, they've taken out of context, but B, that no one who is reading this thing who's angry about it would have ever seen or heard about oh, yeah, unless yeah. they printed it in this newspaper. Absolutely. The, the thing, um, that thing a while ago where uh, Russell Brand and Jonathan Ross uh-huh. prank called uh, Andrew Sachs. Yep. About and, he, and did, it was it was Russell was talking about his granddaughter. Yeah, and stuff if you like don't, that. Andrew Sachs is the guy who played Manuel in Forty Towers. 
I think everybody yeah. remembers that. I, yeah. I don't think you have to. I don't know. It depends where you. Um, American listeners, I don't know how much Faulty Towers got played in the, in uh, the that's US. That's a good point. All right. Australia, I'm just presuming it got played non-stop. as much as it did in the UK. Non stop right. Faulty Towers. Yeah. Um, in the same way as the ABC plays seven episodes of QI a week now. <laughs> really? that, was, that used to be filled by Faulty Towers. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. It's like there are worse things to be played constantly, but that's um. Oh no 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 yeah. yeah no you're absolutely right. But still, as opposed to Channel Nine in Australia, which has the same scheduling of the Big Bang Theory. There right. You go. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, they they the bit they did, yeah, it was overstepping the mark, I yeah. think. But it, the bit they did was, in context, was funny in that. He phoned up firstly to say he slept with his granddaughter, yeah. but he got through to voicemail uh, and they left a message. And then they sent an increasing series of messages where they kept kind of trying to apologize and fucking it up and making it worse. Yeah. Which is like a funny it premise. It's a funny bit. And yeah, I get like how they shouldn't have done it still. Right. But, but that's the full context of it. Yeah. Where obviously, the context was entirely removed by the time it was published in the papers. But then what the papers also did was tracked down a photograph of this woman who also did burlesque. They found some photo combed through Facebook or whatever and found some photo of her in a Basque and made her look like like some harridan. Right. And basically just under the guise of protecting her dignity. Right. Slut shamed her. We are her outraged at you. Yeah. See her tits on page three. Exactly. They slut shamed her across a double page color spread. Right. Under the guise of like Oh, this poor, sweet old man and his and his gra- and his granddaughter who have both been set up by these. All right, and so why is your headline sex appeal? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is a- uh, yeah, that is. Why is your headline woof woof woof? I want to fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I- Try not to look at these disgusting tits. But that's what they do. They take Absolutely. Things, like, and they they make it out. They misrepresent what people, you know, say and do. And look, you know, and sometimes you can just, I mean, you can just ignore it. But the, the, the weird thing is that they think it's harmless, right? Yeah, but you're meant to be the news. Yeah. Like, you're meant to be the news and it goes on the record. Like, for example, and I told this joke and I'm happy to, like, put it on the record. But years ago, there was a guy called Richard Alston who was the head of communications for the Liberal Party in Australia who are now the current government. Okay. But he, they were the government at the time. And they don't like the ABC. Hang on, what are the two main parties in Australia? Liberal and Labor. That's right. That's that's the confusing thing. So the yeah. Liberal Party are actually the more right-wing party. Yeah. They should have to change their name. It's right. complete... Like, you know, it's really misleading. In the, yeah, they're actually the most illiberal and... Right. And also, by the way, I, I learned this the hard way. Um, I should point out that when I write I'm a Republican on Twitter, right. I'm <laughs> talking in regard to the Republic of Australia I know, not it, being led by the Queen of England rather than the reaction that some of my American Twitter followers are yeah. like, hang on, what? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm a British Republican. Like, right. I, I, the existence of a royal family is ludicrous. Right. But... Yeah, well, at least they're your fucking royal family. Yeah. They're not even our royal family, and they're in charge of our country. Like, when they were parading that fucking new kid around, like, the country. I have nothing against them having a kid and being... Like, whatever. They seem like nice people. Yeah. But they did a... The fucking fat baby did a tour of our fucking country where everyone went out, and I'm like, that guy's going to be our king. That fat baby just there who's done fucking nothing other than being born... Is technically going to be in charge of my entire fucking country. Just by virtue of having come out of that guy's dick. Right. <laughs> like, it's just... Yeah. 
literally because it came out of a guy's dick. And I, I was talking. Hang on, why is that guy in charge? Oh, because he came out of the right guy's dick. <laughs> yes. Oh well, no, that seems like a great system. Like when you try and really break it down, all the arguments. Like my my mum is a staunch royalist. In fact, right. I'll show you a picture uh, that sums it up quite nicely. That sums up exactly the kind of person my mum is. But uh, but she comes up with all the arguments. Like the royal family is good for tourism and it. They make more money than they cost, which, by the way, firstly, that's untrue in the UK. The, the numbers do not add up. When, the, when you actually, it only adds up if you factor in the specific amount of money the royals are paid and not how much money all the other shit around them costs. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And secondly, even if that were the case, it's still not, a, it's still not right. It's still not fair. And when you pin down, yeah, but why should that family, why should that woman be queen? Right. And then why should her son be king when she dies? And I can't... I've never heard an argument that really amounts to anything more than magic. Seriously. Like, it's just, like it just... Made, like, I mean, yeah, they're good for tourism. Like, even if that is true, which, you know, whatever. Like, you know, there are things that... For example, the Melbourne Grand Prix costs $50 million a year out of taxpayers' money. And right. then they... Like, then they'll extrapolate whether it's good for exposure and tourism and, you know, all those sort of things. And they always come up with these numbers that justify this sort of thing, right? I imagine you could do that with the royal family. Yeah. But, like, you know, fucking kangaroos and koalas are good for Australian tourism. But we don't fucking, like put him in charge of the country. <laughs> yeah, but we put the queen, king and queen, like not even ours. Yeah. They don't even barrack for us when we're playing cricket. When did our... <laughs> <laughs> like, True. how can you have the person who is like on the fucking money who doesn't <laughs> barrack for your fucking team in cricket? Until the Queen of England, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, mm. personally alerts a group of people to the presence of a small boy trapped in a well. Right. Exactly. I will not. I will not call her <laughs> not. Skippy what she of done? our country. Here we go. Here is here. This is something I had to take a picture of when I okay. I went home. This is this I found on my parents' bookshelf. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So, firstly, here's what I need to tell you, which I think is fantastic. Uh, these are VHS tapes. They are three VHS tapes. Right now. VHS tapes might like indicate to the audience <laughs> that like I, you've shown me something like maybe they've got, I don't know, uh, the wedding of Charles and Diana yep. on VHS tapes. And I'm like, you know what? They love the royal family. <laughs> but no, they have the wedding of William and Kate on VHS tapes. <laughs> yep. That is However, three volumes too, which I like. Well, here's what it is. Have a, have a closer look. Oh, okay. Because what it actually says, the three different labels, the three different oh. VHS tapes are... William and Kate Wedding BBC, mm. William and Kate Wedding ITV, and William and Kate Wedding Sky. Oh, my God. So they taped it on three different channels. She taped three different channels of the same footage. Right. To see the different commentary, <laughs> the though. same footage. You've got... <laughs> Simultaneously. Which also tells you, by the way, that my mum has three video recorders. Right. They're able to run concurrently like it seems like she like even to be able to take when i had like video recorders i i wouldn't have been able to take three things at the same time <laughs> yeah. so she's quite advanced but in a really old technology i'm not sure my mum isn't like doesn't have a sideline in pirating vhs tapes all <laughs> like oh, right still that's how she's paying for that european holiday <laughs> yeah, every like, summer that no one can explain like no one knows where she goes on a sunday afternoon and right. <laughs> she's got like bootleg copies of die hard <laughs> 
<laughs> no, just of the <laughs> just of the royal wedding. Yes, yeah, so Gremlins like, too. <laughs> no, she's literally <laughs> just, just the royal, royal weddings. Wedding. What do you need? ITV or BBC? <laughs> I've got them all. Which commentary? What do you need? Because it is—it's the same foot. It's like yeah. the—it's like the Olympics or the World Cup. They yeah, only they have take one the set same of cameras, shots. and then all the different broadcasters get the same video. The feed. Yeah. The only thing that's different is the commentary, and the B-roll, the outside packages, like the VT stuff, where sure. they're doing the man on the street interviews. Um, well, that, <laughs> she wanted all of it. She that's wanted. pretty amazing. So yeah, look, I mean, I don't, and I don't have. The, okay, so let's talk about this more because this is interesting. So philosophically, everything that I just said, I believe, which is that Australia should have its own head of state. Yeah. Now, in practice, we basically do. Like in, in right. case there's anyone screaming at this going, the Queen only you know, serves a ceremonial role in Australian politics and you know, there's only a courtesy of the Prime Minister advisor about elections and blah, 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 and yeah. she doesn't really get involved. Like 1974 was the last time that she technically got involved in Australian politics. Like, you know, like there's all those arguments and they're all fair and valid. Right. However. However, why is a woman from another country the, the Queen of my country? <laughs> Yeah. Like, A, why do we still have queens? We don't live in fucking Frozen. And secondly, <laughs> like, and secondly, like, why is our queen from another country? It makes no fucking sense to me. Yeah. Okay, now I'll go another argument. Well, the politicians we elect in Australia are so shit that we wouldn't want them having the ultimate power and it's good to have a check and balance. Again, you know what? I agree. The best advertisement for Australia not becoming a republic is the fucking dickheads we keep voting in to lead the place. Right. Like nobody would want pro- – yeah, at least we kind of have that thing in the back of our mind of no matter how bad Abbott or Kevin Rudd or these guys were, that there is still like a, a check and balance. Like Except someone that to- check and balance could be used exactly once. Like the queen could only veto one law before she'd no longer be the queen. Oh. I think. You know what? I don't Do you know. No, it would depend on what it was. Like, because, you know, the Queen is like, because we voted to become a republic in Australia and, and it got voted down. How many times have you had that referendum? Uh, I, once in my lifetime. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was 25 years ago. Because I'd be now. really interested to see what's going to happen in Scotland. Right. Because Scotland is about to have a referendum to decide whether it's going to stay a part of the UK. Right. Which is very interesting. Yeah. And it's. If we were having this conversation two, three weeks ago, I would have said it's going to definitely get voted down. But the yes vote is gaining momentum. Yeah, I felt like that when I was in Edinburgh because I asked a lot of people about it. And and sometimes I caught taxis and didn't need to ask about it. I just, yeah. got, <laughs> you just got told. I, I just got told about it. And I can only ever understand about every third word of a Scottish tra- taxi driver. But that third word was freedom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What did he say? I know something, 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 freedom. (laughs) That scene from Braveheart, you know, something, 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 freedom. Uh, So I I agree with you. They felt like there was, because there's, I mean, there's a range of issues in regard to it that I don't really understand when it comes to the economy and the, like the pound and all those sort of things. And I wouldn't want to. Yeah, I stayed the hell out of it completely. Apart from, like, particularly on stage. I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. And it's just a minefield that I'd be wandering into if I started weighing in oh but um, particularly as a british person that's why yeah. I f- that's why i felt like so weird when all those celebrities came out you know there was a whole bunch of british celebrities yeah who kind of came out and signed it like you know john cleese and helen mirren and all we these kind of people want to be we st- yeah when the scottish Don't celebrities leave. came out it kind of weighed in you're like okay well i see well that's fine they're scottish yeah. but no but it was like a bunch of english people going please don't leave we like you yeah <laughs> 
It was weird. I don't think that's their business. Like, why the fuck does Mick Jagger get a say in what Scotland decides to do? Yeah, it's a... I mean, everyone has a right to an opinion and a right to voice an opinion, but you do also have the problem of looking like a cock if you have an opinion on something that isn't... Right. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's what I kind of feel like... I mean, I don't know how you feel about it. I mean, that's it. why, I, apart from lack of real knowledge and lack of having not given it enough thought, I stay the fuck out of it. Right. So this is an interesting thing, and I'd like to know what your opinion is on this. How do you feel about things where you criticize America? Like, we were talking off air about how you're, like, halfway through, like, you know, you've got a kind of a little half a bit on the, the, the girl who killed the guy with the Uzi, you know, the nine-year-old oh, yeah. who had the Uzi. Like, when you're going to talk about guns, for example, in America, like... I'm much more, I think I'm much more careful about it now than when I first got into the country, mm-hmm. you know, my, my politics skew pretty obviously left wing. Mm-hmm. And when I first got into the country, I, there were definitely times where, particularly when I remember doing a gig in South, sorry, in North Carolina, which North Carolina for a Southern state has a fairly even split, uh-huh. but it definitely has a lot of Republic, diehard Republicans. And I remember doing some material and it was, I can't remember even what the political material was, but I remember at the time, like, feeling the audience shut off. And at the time, in my slightly more precocious, like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can't take this stuff, whatever. But it was like, no, you haven't met them halfway. Right. And you're just calling them an idiot without really... I probably still think my opinion on the opinion behind that bit of material, I think I could still justify. But thinking about it now, I was like, no, you're just... You, you are a, probably at the time, 28-year-old looking like a 23-year-old telling a group of people who've lived there all their lives that they're wrong right. about everything they believe. Yeah. And they're idiots for thinking it. And not even like couching it in terms of this is what I believe or this is... Or even or even doing it in a teasing way. Like I, I think I've got material now that's uh, about, say, Obama or whatever that I could do in front of Republicans and have them enjoy it as well, even though they disagree with it. I hope so anyway. Yeah, I, I found um, the thing that's been really handy to me is our hideous foreign foreign policy, uh, where in Australia, whatever dickhead war America wants to get involved in, we're always first in. So I right. have like played that up a lot. Anytime they try to turn on me, I will rant at them about like, hey, we're fucking here for you. <laughs> we're like, the fucking morons who just... Yeah, go- we are Milhouse to your Bart Simpson and you cannot... <laughs> Like, we're your best friend. And a lot of people don't like you anymore, but we're still, like, to say, you know, we're part of this, I'm in on this. Yeah. But I do think there's something about going to anywhere and going, you know, this is how you guys should be behaving that is problematic. Yeah, and I, and I don't, I definitely, <sighs> I've made that mistake in the past, and I'm, I'm not saying I'll never make that mistake in the future, but... No, say it. It's a... Uh... Say it. <laughs> say it. <laughs> That's what today's about. Pledge that. <laughs> But um, but yeah, I, you, going into a place, the advantage I have now when I perform in America is that I have been fairly immersed in the culture and the politics and the lifestyle of this country for a number of years, but uh-huh. I'm still perceived to be an outsider. So yeah. I have that advantage of walking on stage and they're like, how does he know this stuff about us? Like, well, because I, 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 I live you. there. Like, I live... <laughs> I live, I live a mile that way. Yeah. And I have done for a while. Uh, but, um, but at the same time, yeah, there is a bit of like, well, fuck you. 
Yeah, I was uh, at set list the other night. We both did set list at Nerd Melt the other night with uh, Emo Phillips. Always exciting to be on oh, a lineup with Emo Phillips. His accuracy. What was amazing watching him do set list is his accuracy of language. Oh yeah, was just as present when he was improvising as it is when he's been when he's doing the jokes that he wrote thirty years ago. I mean, I think it must have been. So, firstly, I. I always appreciate those moments, but I think in light of Joan Rivers being ill and Robin Williams like yeah. passing away, that, that, that I Robin appreciate. Was the one, like I met Robin because of Setlist. Right. I got to do the TV show of it with him. Well, that was gutting. Let's get back to emo. Let's yeah. talk about Robin because I've been asking people when they've come on because clearly, to us, I think to our generation, but like, the, okay. So the interesting thing about Robin for me is that everybody's mourning Robin. There was probably yeah. There's probably not many people in the entire world who were more famous and more well liked across you know countries and yeah. than Robin Williams, right? So I get that everyone feels sad about Robin Williams, but comedians in particular were really knocked around by this one because it, there's there's barely a comedian that wasn't inspired by some way by Robin Williams. But secondly, the thing was he was the one that still thought stand up was the best thing. Yeah. Like, it, with, he'd won Oscars with all the success he'd had. He'd pop down to the clubs right. all the time. Like, that's what... Everyone has a... When he died, everyone in yeah. LA had a photo... Like, suddenly their Facebook yeah. profile was them standing next to him because he was constantly at gigs. Like, I've got... I now... I have footage, which is kind of bittersweet now, of me on set list doing a line and then it cutting to him at the back of the room laughing. Right. Because he would do that. Like, he would sit there generously pissing himself at everyone. There was none of that sort of... Like, he wouldn't hide in the green room. He'd talk to everyone. He'd... He was a night. He was a good guy. He loved comedy. Yeah, and I think that's why for comedians, like for comedians who really love comedy, yeah, like it really felt like it was a hard thing. Yeah, and then in Edinburgh, obviously, I was with people like Provenza wasn't around. Mm. He was still in the U- U.S. But uh, and so was Rick Overton, who's like Rick was like Rick and well, Rob they were best, best mates. friends. Yeah, yeah. So he must. I haven't spoken to Rick apart from some texts. Since yeah, happened, I, he must. I sent him some like just. Yeah, yeah, little messages. But Barbara, Barbara Roman, who's Provenza's producing partner, who co-runs Setlist, I forgot that she was Mitzi Shaw's assistant at the Comedy Store oh, in the right. mid-70s. That was one of her first jobs in LA. I didn't know that. So again, she's no Robin 35 years. Right. So she was distraught. Yeah, well, I was. were you on the... Did you do that Friday night show? where yes, they played? Yeah, that's right. So we both did that show together in, Ed- in Edinburgh where they yeah. played Robin's set. Yeah. Like he set this set uh, at the start of the show. It was, yeah, it was pretty amazing to be part of. Yeah. So Emo, Emo. Phillips, like I, th- I think I appreciate those moments even more now since then. Like, you know, where you're like, oh, that's right. It's, it's great that we get to walk amongst the people who inspired us. Emo Phillips was the first comedian I ever saw do comedy. It yeah. Was- well, it, it amazed me um, in general, once I started doing comedy, how small the world was. Mm. Like, Bill Bailey was one of the first comics I was a huge fan of when I, when I started getting into comedy. I, I paid to go and see his show, like, his touring show a couple of times. And within a year of me starting stand-up, I was doing an open spot at the Bearcats Comedy Club in Twickenham. And Bill Bailey was on the bill, was on the show running in some new material for his tour. So he was just sat in the green room next to me with his notebook. 
Oh well, I and mean, you just go and and those stories like there's not a single comic who doesn't have ten of those stories. It's it it kind of blows your mind. Yeah, like I I remember because like we spoke about Faulty Towers earlier. Yes, but like I like I got into comedy like watching Faulty Towers, you know, with my mum on the farm, and you never would have told me that like. You know, twenty or oh, thirty years oh, he did on the from Just that. for Laughs show, didn't he? Yeah, Just for Laughs I've guy, John, John Cleese. Yeah. In fact, I've used the quote about that John Cleese made about me in a lot of my press since then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you kind of like, I mean, if you'd said to that kid like watching Faulty Towers that, oh, yeah, one day you, you you'll be on stage at the Sydney Opera House hogging hugging uh, John Cleese, like it's <laughs> you insane. You said hogging him there for a hogging second, him. which is yeah. I don't know what kind of farming I, term that is. I th- oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, did you hog him? Oh, yeah, I hogged him good. Yeah, he won't take- need a hogging for another six months. <laughs> <laughs> you can take the will off the farm, but right. you can't take the farm out. You just come back for your winter hogging uh, <laughs> around April there, John, and that'll be... <laughs> uh, so, um, so, April, emo. a time that is not winter anywhere. Uh, so, But Emo was the first comic you... First comic I saw do stand up on TV. I was lucky enough to do the set list show uh, in Portland at Bridgetown, yep. you know, with him on it. Met him that night. You know, we've been in contact a little bit since then. But I think for you more than anyone, because I think external to emo, you are the person who, when they do set lists, and I've talked about this before, I've said that so many times on the podcast today, but I, my approach to set list is literally say all the words. <laughs> well, you, it's amazing to what you just explode onto the stage. It's just... Right, it's just like, here it goes. Powerhouse energy. Let's just, and I just like, I don't know which of these are going to be good. (laughs) I will say them all and you decide. (laughs) We're going for quantity. And, you know, generally, you know, it tends to work for me and that's kind of has my energy. But I admire, you know, you always admire most of the thing that you think that you can't do. Or or don't do, whatever. Maria Bamford, me, I adore watching her just because I can't connect the dots on any of her material. Sam Simmons in Edinburgh. I went yeah. and saw his show, and I was just like, I, I can't. Honestly, if you stop this show and said to me, "Why are you laughing so hard?" <laughs> I would not be able to explain it to you other than funny, <laughs> man. Funny thing stage. Man, it's just so funny. It's funny. I know it when I see it. Um, you have that approach as well, whereas you will take your time and you will come up with like one-liners or little like complete sort of joke sets. Not yeah. always. Like sometimes you'll take you know, a long journey to go there, but it's more considered. What I do with set list is like my trick, if you will, it like, and it's taken a while to hone and there's been some bad ones as well. I've fucked up before, but now I've got, I'm getting my, my hit rates increasing. Uh, when I see a new topic, the first thing I do is say, ask myself if that's the punchline, what's the setup? Ah, uh, yeah, no, that's my first thing. Like, see the see what's on the screen and go, like, if that's the answer, what's the question? If that's the punchline, what's the setup? Uh-huh. And a version of that will be the first thing out of my mouth. And I hope and I hope that it's sort of obscure enough but close enough that the audience can connect the dots and it'll make them laugh. And that gives me enough breathing space to create something more interesting. But then, then you've got the start point and then you've got the end point because the start point's what you just said and the end point's what's on the screen. And then you've got, and then you have all that space to meander and hopefully create little offshoots and little segues and find interesting, funny stuff. Uh, but that's 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 the trick. That's my trick. That's what I do. I'm not sure that I have a trick to it, but if I if I thought that I had a trick, if there's one thing that I 
do think like because the only thing that, that with the way that I do it yeah. is that if I lose momentum, I think sometimes because it has such momentum, if I get something that fools me or whatever, it's hard to get that momentum back to that place. Right. So what I've started doing now, if I ever feel like that, is like if something's hard, I just try to make it harder. Right. Like, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll just up my own offer. Well, that's I'm like, this reminds me of a poem that I wrote, yes, like, or whatever. Like, just make this thing. <laughs> like, well, I did yeah. it at the end of my set the other night, where it's like the last thing. And I was just like, fuck it. And I brought you on stage to you do did. this, like, double it. Because I was just like, <laughs> just make way, it weirder was, and more interesting. I was mostly watching your set, right. but then I suddenly answered. I, was, so I got a text and I was uh-huh. answering it. And then I just suddenly heard my name and I was like, oh shit, what has he said? Right. Because you were suddenly calling me on stage and I'm like, what has he already been talking about so I can be part of this? That was just me going, well, you know what? <laughs> if I don't think I have something great, I'm going to try to make something great happen. Which, you know, we yeah. got out of that pretty well. It worked. It got a big laugh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think add to the chaos rather yeah. than like, you know, give into it. Yeah, because the audience appreciates the extra peril. They appreciate the extra difficulty. So, and, they, but- and they love to see you about to trip up. And then that brings us back to emo then. So emo is not like that at all, really. Yeah. Like, you know, there was literally not a point in his set where I didn't think he was going to say something funny. But it was not only did you say something funny, but as you said, the economy of language, the way that it would come out. The one in uh, Bridgetown that really struck me and it was like, God, he's done this perfectly. The first, um, the topic was something like erotic electric chair. Mm Mm-hmm. And his opening line was, in our never-ending quest for humane execution. Oh, yeah, that's right. Right? And he, and, he, and he stopped. The audience pissed themselves. And then it was probably only about four or five more lines. And the final line was just, and you bring them just to the brink. <laughs> and, and the audience, it was a huge laugh. Right. And he never finished that thought. He just... Turned, that's it. turned to the screen yeah. and moved on to the next topic. It was like, yeah, like that's that done. was like that has said everything that needs to be said. Right. Like, it, again, it was just perfect. But do you know how? He, did you hear how emo prep for it? Yeah, he wrote every joke in the entire world and memorized them. It, no, almost. <laughs> he went. I I am led to believe Preven- that he went through all the previous sets yeah. and watched them all. Provenza told me this. Like yep. he 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 went through every clip of set list on YouTube, mm-hmm. and there's quite a lot of it now. Um, every bit of footage he could find of the show and paused the video when the topic came up for whoever was doing it and he worked out what he would say. So almost like doing practice questions for an exam, like going through previous year's exam questions. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he worked out what he'd say and then he saw what the comedian in the video did. And he did that, but he did that for all of them. Right. Like I can understand doing that for a couple and yeah, giving a practice. Yeah, to get the vibe of it. He did yeah. it for like probably hours of it. And Provence was like, you did that for all of them. And he went, doesn't everyone? No. No one. <laughs> like, no, no, no. No one. Literally no one has done that. No, funnily <laughs> enough. maniac. But on, that's why on he's On the genius. night, I will watch. Like on the night. And I will, not every topic, because I think that's exhausting. Yeah. But just occasionally, like. Yeah, just to key into your just, brain. Just and go, if there's like, a topic, go, what would I have done Oh, I know that? what I would. I would have taken yeah. it this way. Or Yeah. So, I, like, I do that just to kind of get my brain working. But that's yeah. about as close to. But I That's did, like the difference between, like. <clears throat> warming up for a marathon by doing some shorter runs and some stretches yeah. as opposed to warming up for a marathon by doing 30 marathons. Right. <laughs> like <that's... laughs> Which I actually think is how you how you actually warm up for a marathon. Yeah. Like that is, you're meant to do a lot of training. You do do a lot of training, but you never do the full 26 miles right. until the, until the oh, day yeah, off. That's right. Yeah. You do like ever increase. There's like, that's I, right. Uh, I used to live with Phil Nickel and he 
ran the London Marathon a couple of times. So I saw his training schedule and it's, you, there's like a very set plan that comes in the welcome pack when you get accepted into the London Marathon. It's like, this is how to train to be, to be in the marathon. And it sort of, you build up in staggered segments to ever increasingly, you sort of stagger longer and shorter runs on alternating days, but you slowly build up. And then about three or so, like a certain number of days before the actual day of the marathon is when you do your last long run. And that's about, that's something like 20 miles, but you never do the full distance. And then you have a couple of days of pretty much resting and letting your body be in the best shape it can for the day. And then you do the full 26. I think next time I do set list just to freak out the other people when they ask, like, you know, if they're new people. Because Randy Licky, do I say it? Licky? Yeah, I think something like that. Yeah. I think Randy's, um, Randy's doing his first. Randy's going to come, come and do the podcast this nice. week. So that'll be exciting. Um, I, I think he's really funny. But he was doing his first, like, podcast. And I realized this just would have been a really funny joke. His first, set oh, his first set list. And uh, so he said, What's the trick? And I said to that thing, I said, well, what I do is I, I like think of every single joke in the entire world and then I write those jokes down and then I memorize them. Yeah. And then I said, um, but sometimes I can't remember them all. So I just like write them on my arm, like, you know, like in Memento. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, at that moment, it would just would have been great to be able to roll up my sleeve and just have like writing like, all <laughs> over my arm, these random, like, this is the trick, mate. I don't know what you're, or even during the set, being able to roll up your arm and just uh. like, look at the thing. <laughs> No, fuck that. I'll just have Watch Memento tattooed on my hand. Um, so I, um, yeah, I, Watch Memento. That's, I think that's been the, the message of today's podcast. Yeah. We cover some important life themes. Yeah. Royalty. Oh, yeah. Celebrity slut shaming. Right. Uh, the craft of comedy. And I think our main conclusion is Watch Memento. Watch Memento. Just write it on your hand at the start. Before you get a tattoo, just write it on your hand. See if it's funny. See if like people, like when they go, what have you got written on your hand? It's like, watch Memento. See if people think that's funny. Yeah. Test, test it. it out there before you that's the thing. get a tattoo. Like, it blows my, when people have joke tattoos, and like I've never been a tattoo person. Mm. I, I, I fully get why people love them. And I, I, I like tattoos and other people. Like yeah. I think it's a really, like I like the look of certain people with certain tattoos. I yep. think they look fucking great. I could never have one. And that's partly because I'm so indecisive. And so like, I remember when I started comedy, mm-hmm. I remember having a couple of bits where I'm like, well, these bits will come and go, but I can't imagine a gig where I wouldn't do my haircut routine. Oh, yeah, right. Because sure. that's like, this is the one. Yeah. And now I couldn't even tell you how that bit goes. Like, I couldn't tell you any of the wording of that joke. Because, you know, and I probably look back on it now and go, oh, that's, uh, oh, that's not a good idea. And the idea of having a, having something I thought funny in 2004 on my skin forever. But then other people, but then people who have... I'm, I'm very proud of my Gavin Ross style tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> there must have been somebody during the era of Kurt Cobain and Eddie Vedder and Gavin Rossdale being like a big star that was like, no, 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 I'm all the way Rossdale. <laughs> He's the one out of those guys who's really going to keep making great never music. Want... That's, it blows my mind when you see... Like, when Paul McCartney goes on tour... Mm. Sir Paul McCartney. Sir Paul McCartney. I mean, he... I know that's an ironic thing in light of the discussion we've had yeah. earlier for me to point out, but if Sir Mix-a-Lot gets it, Sir Paul McCartney I'd call him that it. if he didn't have a knighthood. Right, <laughs> exactly. Lord Paul McCartney. But like, when he goes on tour and people still want to hear the Beatles songs, they still want to hear the Wings songs mm-hmm. and, the, and the, like his first solo album, he's singing songs 
Like, he's basically performing ideas that he had 50 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah, the, the Beatles is arguably as good as pop music has ever got. So, if you're going to sing ideas of yours from 50 years ago, that's not a bad way to do it. But still, right. there must be a bit of him going, the girl I'm singing about in this song is dead. <laughs> <laughs> like... I'm singing well, about half of the members of his band are dead. Right. So and, uh, but like he's singing about like childhood love and like right. he, like like the kind of feelings you have when you're 23. Oh yeah, as yeah. A, I mean, as well, a man in his, I know 70s. that I want to hold your hand was a John Lennon song, but for example, I yeah. want to hold. I want to hold your hand. Like literally, there is a period of your life uh, from about twenty to sixty where you're not really interested in holding someone's <laughs> hand. You know what I mean? Like there are much more interesting things to do with someone's hand, in, and then you get back to wanting to hold oh, someone's hand but again. Just for just so you can safely cross the road, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just quickly on that, I know we've got to finish up because you've got to go to a um, uh, interview with a porn star. Uh, so. <laughs> And I hope I get the job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've got to do the, the show I'm going to do. You, Ginger Lynn. Ginger Lynn. Off of the 80s. Porn, yep. porn Hall of Fame. Well, th- there might be somebody out there with a Ginger Lynn tattoo. There might right? well be. Big in the I 80s. bet there's at least someone there with a, with a poster or a centerfold somewhere. Right. Somebody but who, like, you know, she lost na- their wank virginity to Ginger Lynn, <laughs> right? I imagine. Um, but she, she now does a radio show in LA. I've done it a couple of times. It's a lot of fun. Okay, nice. It's very enjoyable. Um, so, uh, what I wanted to say, though, was speaking of older people, not Ginger Lynn, we were previously speaking of older people. Yeah. Um, uh, I, w- I was watching 60 Minutes last night. Now, I can't, I don't think I've ever seen the American 60 Minutes. This is the current affairs program. Yeah. Right. And I've never watched, like, well, I don't watch the Australian 60 Minutes because it's kind of trashy and whatever. Well, I think it is. Okay. But, yeah, I don't really watch it. I associate it with being trashy. Last night I got home from something. It was a weird period of time. It was like 20 minutes before like, you know, an actual TV show like would start. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'll just flick on 60 minutes and see what story they're doing. And oh my fucking God, I love 60 minutes. Oh, really? Like I was <laughs> so fucking into this story. Like to the point today, I looked up extra information about the story. So what were they covering? Well, uh, 90 pluses. So the highest growing age bracket in America is nine, it grows at a proportionate rate like higher than any other bracket is people who are 90 plus because people are living longer obviously okay so like but there's so little research growing that, proportionate to itself to its own that's entry. right okay. yeah fastest growing percentage wise yeah is 90 pluses so they but they don't know much about 90 pluses because there's barely been any 90 pluses around for them right. ever to do any substantial research on who gets to be that age, you know, what about your life means that you get to be that age, what is your brain like at this age. So they found this place. It's amazing. It was an amazing story, uh, which I don't have all the details of. Do your own research. But essentially this retirement home, this researcher found this retirement home, this retirement village where like 30 years ago or 40 years ago they did this comprehensive study of like – or. Maybe it wasn't that long ago, but like a really decent amount of time ago, um, did this comprehensive study of like, you know, what people ate, drank, how much sex they had. Like, and a lot of the same people are still in that same place who are 90 plus. So they have all this data that they can then go and compare, you know, with the people who are there. And it's, so it's been this amazing boon. They've had so many breakthroughs in like, you know, health and education and like Alzheimer's, for example. They've had amazing Alzheimer's because. You can't technically diagnose Alzheimer's when someone's alive. 
they guess that it's Alzheimer's. Oh, really? Until you're, it's only the post-mortem. Yeah, they? until you're dead and they can examine your brain, they can't actually... So there's this amazingly weird thing that's been happening with these old people that have been out of study where half the people, well, not half, but a large percentage of the people who exhibit symptoms of Alzheimer's or what they used to look in in your brain to say, yes, he had Alzheimer's, don't have that in their brain. They're losing their memory and stuff for other reasons that people never... And there okay. are some people who have perfect memory and stuff in their 90s who, when they examine them post-mortem, have all these... The things that we think are Alzheimer's in their... It was so fucking fascinating. Um, drinking, definitely uh, alcohols... Two glasses of alcohol a day, chances are you'll live until your 90s. Like they, that, that was the big one. Uh, coffee... Um, don't smoke. I mean, that's pretty obvious, but yeah. but the alcohol one was big, and it's not just red wine, according to these findings. Like literally, just two glasses of any kind of alcohol, you're fine every day. It actually helps you live longer. Oh, and by the way, you, this is a good one for you. If you live into your 80s and 90s, you want to start putting on weight. It's not good to be overweight early in your life, but the older you get, the more you eat your sweets and that sort of thing, the longer you will live. <laughs> yeah, it was such now, a fascinating story. I'm always I'm always a little bit wary of that kind of thing because there's always that sort of correlation causation thing going on where you're like, when you see those things going, like how well is it controlled for other factors? Is it that people, does drinking two glasses of wine a day actually make you live longer? Or do the kind of people who have a lifestyle that enables them to drink two glasses of wine a day but, but makes them likely to drink no more than that overlap with the kind of person who would live a greater amount of time. Well, I mean, this is the great thing about this research and why it's been so like the big breakthrough yeah. is that it's rare that you have a case study where everyone's been essentially living, living the in yeah. the same environment for, so they can't say up until that point, you know, yeah. everyone's bringing their own shit to the table. But and after that, they can kind of go, no, these people have had approximately the same diet. Right. They've lived in the same environment. They've had the same, yeah, conditions. I mean it's not a perfect like by any means yeah. study, and it's a small sample. I would have thought like it only. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, but it is like it but was still, just really fascinating. Still really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It was great. It was really good. So anyway, sixty minutes. I know it's been on for fifty years, yeah. but I'm saying a thumbs up. What's hot? Sixty minutes. <laughs> I will look it up. Yeah. I'll get your mum to run you a VHS tape of it. <laughs> and while she's at it, get Memento. Um, Say, Mum, I need <laughs> I need the BBC commentary of the Royal Wedding. I need a copy of Memento. Uh, this is one of, one of the other things she had on VHS was the BBC radio sketch show that I wrote. Oh. That she... Hang on, a VHS? <laughs> I know. This is what's amazing. So Sky TV, like in the digital channels, uh-huh. like with some... You know the same way hotel... Um, Televisions, oh. you can get the radio through if right. you get the right channel. Channel 36, local so, radio. Yeah. So it's like so like channels 900 to 999 or whatever are radio stations. So she tuned it in on the radio and then recorded it with the VHS. <laughs> I was like, I could have burnt you a CD. <laughs> it's still like just got a VHS tape of Bigopedia was the name of the show. There's this radio sketch show we, we wrote a while ago. And she's got a v- she has it on VHS. She might be the only person that fucking NASA, uh, not NASA, the NSA, and it, like everyone can't spy on. Like she's got all this shit on old school technology, like, like real to real, like ledgers. Uh, she'll be in charge of entertainment uh, post the apocalypse when <laughs> the grid gonna, goes down. She's the only one who still has. 
<laughs> Are we watching the royal wedding again? Yeah, but it's the ITV commentary tonight. So <laughs> we have the royal wedding. We have Matt's radio show and beaches. Ah, <laughs> uh, beaches. Oh, and a copy of Memento that I was running off for Matt. <laughs> when, when it, his I've got his three, Australian friend wanted it. I've got two thirds of Memento. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine how annoying that would be? A film like Memento. I believe that one of Matt's friends can guess how it ends. So that's what we're going to have to go with. Uh, Matt, where can people find you? Um, um, touring and uh, on the internet and all those sort of things. We see touring. Um, I don't quite. Uh, I'm mostly in LA at the moment, although in November. I'm going to be doing shows in Seattle and Portland. Oh, nice. So any Seattle and Portlandites. Where are you playing in Seattle? Do uh, you know? I cannot remember the name of the venue. It's a, it's one of those, it's a, it's some kind of theater show. Okay. I'll get the detail. Yeah. If well, you, if you, um, where do people find your details? That's the easiest way. Cause people are you like, know, I'm really bad at updating my dates on my okay. website, but mattkirshen.com is my website. But if you live in either Seattle or Portland and you want to see my show, Google tweet Matt me, Kirshen. Tweet me at Matt Kirshen. <laughs> tweet at Matt Kirshen and I will reply with the details because I can't remember offhand. I'm sorry about that. Right. But like, also the other thing that I would say is that if you understand how to do- download a podcast, you understand how to, to yeah. use Google. Although I don't think the tickets are on sale yet, so it might not be it might not be as easy to track down right now. Okay. But uh but Seattle and Portland, uh, I think it's the Hollywood ho- the Hollywood is important sure. or something anyway we'll work it out whatever um, and then uh probably science is the podcast yes definitely listen to probably science we've got to get you we i keep saying this we keep failing to find a time to get you back on again as a as a return guest but i'd love to have you back on that i'm here for a while now so let's do, let's let's get that done Andy will be returning from burning man around now so he'll be back in town oh my god i so want to talk to him about burning man yeah i so want to go I, anyway this is a I've conversation had, we about this well. i had tickets two different years yeah, I, had I, tickets and I had to give them up for work very annoying Um, uh, so uh, I uh, am touring heaps in America I'm coming to uh, eight different cities Uh, the first one is Seattle Uh, I am at Parlor Live in Seattle I was there in Bellevue uh, last time I'm in the Seattle club this time Um, that's coming up on the 18th 19th and 20th of September after that I'm going to Dallas Chicago Denver Cleveland uh, San Jose, Rooster Teeth Feathers, which is just outside San Jose. Nice. Have you been there before? No, but I hear it's fun. It actually, I it, I think that is the club that I have played more than any other club outside of LA. Uh, like I've, I've I hear nothing there like but four or five I hear times. nothing but fun things about it. It's really fun, and there are, sh- and because it's right in the middle of Silicon Valley, you get a lot of the tech people, so they're a sharp crowd. Yeah, so I'm definitely playing there. Since uh, Sunnyvale, I've Sunnyvale, got, California. Oh yeah, and it's and it, yeah, it's on the Hellmouth. That's where <laughs> for Buffy fans. Um, so this, yeah, I, I've got others. I, I can't remember where they all are. But anyway, like uh, follow me on Twitter, uh, Will underscore Anderson, and um, uh, we've got a Tofop Twitter and Tofop dot com, and uh, oh, LA Podcast Festival. That is the one thing that I have to mention. Oh, nice. Uh, the Saturday night, it is. Oh, here's what's happening. Dave Anson, he guests Charlie number one, and Charlie coming together for the oh, first time on the podcast. What's going to happen? Do you think they're going to? Like, it's like the two universes, like the two people meeting. Are they going to get on, or is it going to be like when you try and bring two cats into a house? Well, I mean, technically, they have been on the podcast before together, but it was before it became Tofop and Fofop. So, then, then, you know, so since then, you know, Dave has become 
you know. Will there be rivalry? Will there be a dance-off? I mean. Will they be sizing each other up? All I'm going to say is people can see it. People can see it live at the LA Podcast Festival. Uh, Probably Science will also be at the LA Podcast Festival. Oh, what day are you on? I don't know. I think we're the Sunday. Okay. We'll get a whole weekend pass and go and see it. But we're on the Saturday. Uh, In Australia, I don't know the details of this yet, but I know uh, they put us on at 7 o'clock at night, which means we're up against Marin, which is tough because obviously it's the biggest podcast in the world. However, um, the reason they've put us on at 7 o'clock at night is that so we can stream live into Australia at a decent time for people oh, to be able to, to watch it and be part of it. So I'll make sure that people know all the details of those. So there'll probably be more people watching in Australia online than there will be in the room. But that's okay. <laughs> that's still good. That's still good. Nah, we'll, we'll be all right. It's going to be fun. So uh, thank you very much, Matt. Uh, thank you as always, Will. Enjoy your porn star. Watch Memento <laughs> and we'll talk to you later. 